right, good morning, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing today? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on a beautiful, nearly fall time morning, okay? Things are headed the right direction, am I right? So praise God. Lots of good stuff going on. Uh, we're going to be dedicating another baby today. So every week for a while, we're dedicating babies because God's blessed us so much this year. So today we got a little Caleb Francis Church going to be dedicated to the Lord. And we're excited about that. It's going to be awesome. I want to remind you that our Harvest Fest is coming up, guys. Friday, October 23rd. Now this is, uh, again, just filling you in. This is not the typical big outreach to the thousands that we do on a normal year, but this is more to kind of bless our own kids here at church. So a small scale uh, version of what we normally do, but we want to absolutely do an awesome job and bless the kids. It's going to be out at uh, Pleasant View Farm, the ranch out there in Newberry. We got uh, 10 acres, but we'll be in one little area. Uh, it's just a beautiful property. So anyway, that's coming up Friday, October 23rd, and Katie's going to fill us in a little more. So we had our first planning meeting, which is, you know, for us way late in the year. Uh, but we've got some candy coming in, and we are going to have hot dogs and drinks, praise God. So there will be food, praise the Lord. Um, and there's some really cool different games, because when we're not doing it on a huge scale, there's some com some cool stuff coming. So that being said, we're not doing lemonade. We're going to do sodas and waters uh, so that it's individually packaged kind of thing. Tony Berry would like to suggest Dr. Pepper. Right? Right? So that being said, in order for Tony Berry to have Dr. Pepper, we would like to tell you that, yes, there is a tiny, by comparison, a tiny budget this year. Normally, Harvest Fest costs about $3,000. This year, it's not going to be anywhere near that. But I also haven't done all the math, just to be honest with you. So if you are interested in donating towards Harvest Fest for hot dogs and sodas and things like that, it's a lot easier if we're able to just buy them and take them to Newberry rather than get them in systematically and store them here. If we can just do it in one swoop. So if you would like to donate towards it, you can just mark Harvest Fest on your envelope. Or if you're donating online, there's an evangelism outreach. Uh, and you can put Harvest Fest in the memo is how that works. So that's coming up. That'll be really great. Uh, family night again tonight. And it's talking about our words. Praise God. So you adults who haven't experienced family night yet, whether or not you have kids, come out and check it out. It's fun. And all of us can learn about the mouth, right? And, and getting the words right. So it's going to be a really good service tonight. Pastor Dave and I are going to goof off and teach it tonight. So you should come watch us be ridiculous. Um, so that should be good. And um, Friday, gentlemen, could you give me one hand in the air if you believe in Jesus? And you're a man of God. Thank you. Okay, so I have to thank you for some things. Number one, thank you for being godly men. Thank you for standing up for your families, for being in church. I am so grateful for you. I also need to thank you as a wife. Thank you. Thank you for being so helpful. I appreciate And whether or not you wives notice it or don't notice it, listen. You couldn't do life without them. So thank you for doing what you do, men, to make our life possible. 
Friday night is bro night. It's very important. The purpose of bro night is for lots of you who, between homeschool and your wife homeschooling or work changes or life changes or just silliness going on, need an outlet. And I'm so grateful that none of you are out drinking. I'm so grateful that none of you are in a bar on a Friday night. So this is what that's for. You can have godly friends. You can go have a good time. There is going to be food. It's going to be great. Make time to go out there Friday night, 6 to 9 in Newberry. If you need the address, let us know, and we'll make that happen. I think that's all I got. Very good. So, and that the bro night is just uh, adult dudes only, okay? Uh, I'm kind of hosting that, so no kids and ladies, none of you either, okay? We just, we just need a minute to get it off our chest. You know what I'm saying? And youngins... Those of you who go to the men's meeting who are under adulthood, you're not missing out. We're still having men's meeting in October, okay? I got like the what for from my boys on them not getting to go. So listen, your dad needs a minute, okay? Let your dad have a minute. All right, very good. So I'm excited to finish up the next few months of 2020, and we're going to end with a bang. It's going to be awesome, amen, because we're connected to Jesus. All right, I'm going to have Pastor and Mrs. Pastor come on up, and we're going to call up little Caleb Francis Church and family, and we're going to dedicate this little fella to Jesus for the rest of his life, amen? amen. So come on up, church family. huge enormous family amen 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 glory you know i'm just thinking as we as we look at this family coming up here and things going on i look at pastor dave and katie i look at joshua lead the music and julie and that's the result of young parents dedicating their children from the time they're conceived. They'll make an official dedication at the altar of God to your children to serve Jesus and tell the devil they're off limits. You know, I know my, I don't know about you, but in my family, my fa- my family was bootleggers and drunks and lots of other bad things. And so my parents didn't do any dedicating of our, of their children to Jesus. They didn't serve Jesus. And so they unofficially dedicated all of us to the devil. So all my family turned out to be pretty bad people but I broke out of it because I had a grandma that prayed for me and so I'm just you know telling all you that in the spiritual arena it's a big thing with God would you officially dedicate children publicly to serve him and those words that are spoken out there God watches over his word to perform it and so it, anyway just you know if, if, if you people you know, a lot of you got born again later in life and you got kids or grandkids or other things like that then as they get into church, encourage them to dedicate all their children to serve Jesus and get those words out there where the devil hears them, God hears them as a public declaration. Amen. But anyway, I just think about watching these two up there talking to me. I thought, man, that's because they were dedicated to serve Jesus and it's stuck all these years. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give, let's give a hand for this family up here. Amen. Amen. Looking good, looking good, looking good. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we've said it so many times. Mrs. Pastor and I had eight children, eight children, a combined family like yours, and et cetera, et cetera. And so we're really, really happy with large families and seeing what Jesus does, especially uh, young people that have given their lives to Jesus and want to raise these kids right because of the times we live in. Tell you what, that's the, the, the Christian family is really one of the saving factors of America of having Christ raising up a generation of people that are going to be the right examples out there, especially everything getting us today. So this is really, really, really big. And and at our church, uh, we we don't baptize children or spank them or anything like that. They're little because they don't know what they're doing. I guess somebody wants to do that. That's okay. But uh, the Bible teaches us that people have to know what they're doing when they're baptized. And so children have to be able to grow up to the place where they know in their hearts that Jesus is real, that he died for their sins. And then at that point in time, they can make their own decision to be baptized. But this is the step in the right direction of of bringing them up in church and how they're supposed to be. And so we dedicate children to the Lord, just as in Luke chapter 2, when you see the story of Joseph and Mary, they brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord at the temple. Now, that's an Old Testament thing they did, carries through the New Testament. We bring our children to the temple of God, to the house of God, to dedicate them to Jesus and, 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 to, and to make a statement of faith. And so we follow that example. And so Alex and Adriana and the rest of the family, as we talk to you, but especially the parents for Caleb Francis Church, that's a good name. Is he going to be like his grandpa too? <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. That's you know we get that uh, Grandpa Frank spirit on me, and I can start getting corny too. <laughs> yeah, how many here knew knew, knew Frank? Hey, man, me, me and Frank had a lot of good times together because we got the old man corny jokes going. And oh, oh well, <clears throat> uh, back to business. In Psalms one twenty seven, first three verses, the Bible says. Children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Amen. What a blessing. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemies in the gate. And that means when you raise your children up, they're not just, they're not just rug rats. We'll never say that. Not just, they're not that at all. They're not brats. Bible says they're blessings, so they're blessings. And to stand at the enemy of the gate, we know who the enemy is. It's the devil. You know, it's not people. It's not things. The devil's behind the trouble and says, when you raise your children right, they'll be prayer people. Let's stand at you. Sometimes strife tries to come into the home. When you raise it up kids right, those kids are going to start praying. And they're going to say, Dad, Mom, what are you doing? And they're going to pray. They're going to stand with you. They're going to help things out. But that's because you set the right example and you raise them right. What a blessing that is to have children that know how to pray. And so children are a gift from the Lord. As soon as conception takes place, that child's life starts in the womb. So by the time we see them nine months later, that's not when their life began. Their life began nine months before that. You just got to see them come into this earth. Amen. And so in Third John, verse 4, The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And of course, Jesus tells us that the truth is what the Word of God says. 
Word of God says we're healed, so we're healed. Word of God says we're delivered, we're delivered. Word of God says our needs are met, they're met. Word of God says we have the mind of Christ, then we have the mind of Christ. We're not idiots. Amen. And so when the children are taught the truth and walk in the truth, then the children are on the road to success. And so, Alex and Adriana, as parents, you hold in your arms heaven or hell, it's up to you what becomes your child. Your child will grow up to either be a very fine, stable Christian man, or he can be an addict, an alcoholic, and a thug. It's up to you. But you're on the right road. You know, the decisions you make is going to determine which, which way this man goes. And so decisions you make or don't make about your own Christian walk will affect him and the decisions he makes for or against Jesus his entire life and into eternity. Proverbs 22.6. And this, this is for all the family. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he'll not depart from it. And we see that we said in life on the, on the negative side and on, on the positive side that how children are trained, the example they see, that's how they turn out. So day in and day out, day in and day out, you must be led by the Holy Spirit about decisions you make concerning each child you have because they're all different. Children don't raise themselves, so what example are you going to set before them? They're watching you. They will rejoice when you do right. And the little spirits are going to moan when you do wrong. And so the first thing is, in a child dedication, is Alex and Adriana, have you both received Jesus as your personal Savior and made Jesus Lord of your life? Will you commit to follow Jesus all the days of your life? To be a disciple of his word and yield to the Holy Spirit to the best of your abilities. Then let, 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 let's pray and repeat this after me. Say this, Heavenly Father, we dedicate Caleb Francis to your service. We commit to bring him up by precept and example all the days of his life. We dedicate him this day to be all in life that you have chosen and planned as his divine destiny. We thank you for this precious gift that you've entrusted to our care. <clears throat> we ask for your wisdom <clears throat> and provision in bringing your plan and your purpose to pass in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, family, gather around and circle them. Pastor Dave and Katie, let's lay hands on them together. If anybody has anything, Lord gives you anything, then speak it up and we'll lay hands on them, on this precious child. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the words that were just spoken. And Lord, they're all in line with the Bible, what you say to do concerning children and, up, and bringing children up for your glory. And Father, we speak the blessings of God over Caleb. We say, Caleb, you're a child of God. You're redeemed from the curse. You're never going to know addictions or alcoholism or perversions or any of the evil things out there in the world. You're going to know divine health all the days of your life, prosperity as God chose it, and you're going to walk in the mind of Christ. You're never going to be mentally deficient or anything else. And, Father, we just want to thank you. This precious child is always going to make his parents proud, grandparents proud, 
his siblings proud, going to make his pastors proud, going to make you proud. And Lord, your plan and purpose for his life will come to pass. And Lord, I know as, as pastors, as parents, as grandparents, we really don't care what the plan of God is for his life. We know that you've got the plan. But Lord, we'll all do our part to be an example for this young man, that he'll see the right things, know the right things. He'll, he'll grow up morally pure for your glory. And then, Lord, whether you lead him to college, truck driving, <laughs> whatever it is you have for him, Lord, it makes no difference. He's in the perfect will of God serving you and doing all you have for him to do. We say he's blessed in the city and blessed in the field. He's the head, not the tail. He's blessed coming in and blessed going out. And whatsoever he does shall prosper, Lord, a confederation in the name of Jesus. Caleb Francis Church, you're a blessed man of God all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, today's the third Sunday of the month, which means it's Mission Sunday. And today we want to talk to you about Ruth and Julius Marar. Now, they are native people from India, but now they have dual citizenship, both in India and in uh, America, which is really cool. But the problem with what's going on with Julius now is that they can't get back into India because of the, uh, the airplane situation, the COVID situation. So he has lots and lots of churches underneath him. He's, he's, he's called Bishop Julius Marar because he has tons of churches underneath him and lots of pastors. And so what he's having to do now is to, to do everything by, by Internet because he has a message that he gives to all those pastors every week and he talks to all the people of those congregations. So that's how he's having to do that now. Um, a couple of months ago, Ruth's father passed away and I'm sure that she was not able to go to India. And so we sent, you know, condolences from the church to her, which she really appreciated. Um, we've known Julius since we met him at a missions conference up in Visalia in about 2007, 2008. And we just connected with him right away. So because uh, Julius speaks, I don't know how many languages, and which is a real blessing because he's able to go into Nepal. They do a lot of work in Nepal. In fact, a lot of the work that he doesn't talk about much is sex trafficking. He, they are able to, to rescue these women 
in Nepal out of sex trafficking, and they're able to place them in a home, and they're able to restore them. And so that's something that Julius does that you didn't even, probably didn't even know about. Um, you know, he had the uh, the school for, there were like 600 kids in the school, but a couple of years ago, the main supporter of that school um, couldn't support it anymore. The man went into retirement or something. He was a, a guy from America. He couldn't support the school anymore, so Julius was unable to keep the school. But another organization took over the school. Julius still has input into it, but as far as the school being solely their responsibility, that didn't happen because of lack of money. So um, today I want to tell you that, uh, you know, you may think, okay, well, who cares about India? Well, God does, because he said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, not just your little corner of the world, but so loved the entire world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so that's why we support all these missionaries, because we want to be able to help the Lord to be able to reach the world. And the Lord told Pastor back in Indiana years ago, he said to him, if you help me to reach the world, I'll help you to meet, meet your part of the world. So in other words, when you're, when you're giving your, your offerings into our missionaries, uh, those checks go out to them every single month. And which is a blessing because we want to be able to keep our promises to them. You know, you tell us every year when your pledges what, what it is that you want to, to give into missions monthly. And, and, and because of that income, because of that knowledge that comes to us in the office, we make a budget for our missionaries. And we like to be able to raise it, you know, a lot of times. And so it depends on your giving. So when you tell us, that you're going to give X amount of dollars in missions every month, then we're counting on those X amount of dollars. Because if you don't bring it in, High Desert has to cough it up out of the general fund and, and you know. But that doesn't, that hasn't happened. I don't want it to happen. We just have to be very serious about what we promise to these missionaries whose hearts are on foreign soil. Amen. So praise the Lord. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amen. Amen. And I, I, want, I want to show you how this works in God's eyes. You know, I think about the baby dedication we just did. That looks like a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing, but you have to do things in the natural world to reflect what's going on in the spiritual world. At Deuteronomy chapter 8, what this is about, how many of you know that the children of Israel were slaves for 400 years in Egypt? They couldn't make their own decisions. They couldn't eat what they wanted. They couldn't go where they wanted. They had to do everything their taskmasters told them to do. And then God delivered them with mighty deliverance. God sent those plagues into Egypt to try to get Pharaoh and the people stirred up there. And they just got meaner and meaner. And finally, it came to the place that God led Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea. And everybody knows the story. Moses parted the Red Sea. And they went through it on dry land. But then when they came out... They had to go into Canaan land, the promised land that God had for them. They didn't come out just to come out. They come out and they had to use faith to go in. There were giants in Canaan land and they had to fight the giants with God's help and kill the lions to kill the giants so they could get into what God had for them, a land of milk and honey, precious metals under the earth, a lot like the United States of America. we got a lot in America. And so anyway, uh, Israel is a type of the church of Jesus Christ. 
God delivered us out of Satan's bondage. We were slaves to Satan. He had addictions on us. He had perversions on us. He had sickness on us. And God brought us out of the kingdom of darkness for us to go into our Canaan land, the promises of the New Testament. God promised us a whole lot of things in the New Testament. There's giants standing in the way. We've still got to come against sickness and poverty and addictions as Christians. But we come into what God has for us by using our faith like that to use their faith. And that's why we're not afraid of what faces us as Christians. As a matter of fact, I had a dream last night, just real briefly tell you. And it really, really, really sprung about 50 sermons on the inside of me. I had a dream. And it was a whole lot like a lot of us today. In that dream, I was just kind of looking, oh, how, oh, 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 it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And there's two little boys talking. One of the little boys said, oh, isn't that amazing what a person for the devil could do, how much damage they could do. And that little boy must have been a good Christian kid. He said, what's well, more amazing how much a, a, a man full of Jesus can do. And I got to thinking, man, I laid there just dreaming and thinking about preaching all the different things off that. We see in the Bible things happen. I thought today in the time we live in, if we'll quit focusing on what the devil's doing through people that yield to him, and we'll start yielding to Jesus in us, how much more can we do? Amen. 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 And so Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses, by the Spirit of God, is exhorting these people. But what all God has for them as I said, this is a type of the New Testament church. So as I read this, based upon what I've told you already, we got promises to go into. we got things to conquer, things to do, to do what God wants us to do. Look at verse 18, Deuteronomy 8, 18. And I want to make sure you see this with your eyes. He's telling them what all belongs for them. And he says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. How many remember the day that Jesus came into your life and brought you out of that bondage. You're not afraid anymore. You're not addicted anymore. That's not to say things don't knock on your door, but now you know I can say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. I'm never going to take another puff of that marijuana. I'm not going to take one of those pills. I'm not going to watch that pornography. I'm not going to drink it anymore. I'm not going to do those old things. And you know that Jesus brought you out. And so he says, remember the Lord thy God for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. How many here ever had any broke days where you couldn't even fix your car when it needed fixed? Where you had to make deals with Thomas Edison to pay the light bill? Hey, man. Yeah, where you had to make a deal with the water company. Or you, or you had to beg your boss, please, please, please. Don't lay me off. I'll work, I'll, I'll work cut hours. I'll do anything. Just let me keep working. How many remember those days when you didn't have the money? He said, God gives you the power to get wealth. You've got to remember something, uh, brother, sister, Christian. That job you had could go just as easy as it came if you lose the blessing of God. You go back to those days of making deals to keep the lights on. You go back to those days of calling around to get a ride because you don't have $20 to put that part in your car. You can go back there easier than you think if you walk away from God, start stiffing God. You don't want to do that. He's not the curser. He's the blesser. The curse is out there, but by you yielding to God, the things he has to do with your money depends on if you keep that blessing on you or not. Amen. I'm not preaching fear. 
I preach in faith because God's the one that said, remember where it came from. He said, he gives you power to get wealth so you can go back to boozing and partying. Forgetting church on the weekends and go to the lake, go to the river, go to the rodeo, go to whatever you do. says, you just remember that. Now you got it made, so just go back to having fun again and forget me. He didn't say that. He said, he's the one that gives you power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant. He may establish his covenant. He may establish his covenant. Which he swore to those fathers as it is this day. So I just want to say this. None of us got born again just because all of a sudden we thought, wow, I want to be a Christian. We got born again because other Christians, by their lifestyle, things we heard, things we read, things we saw, quickened us to think, wow, I need to get right with God. I want to go to church, etc., etc. People get saved because faith comes by hearing about Jesus. And so the way God's covenant covenant is established and spread is because somebody preaches the gospel. Either one-on-one on your job, that's preaching the gospel. When you're sharing the good news, you're preaching. Or, you know, Jesus said he'll make his fishers a bed. There's two kinds of fishing. You got commercial fishermen go out with big nets and big boats catching by the thousands. Or you got the person that stands there at the fishing pole, catches one at a time. On your jobs with your family, you're probably a pole fisherman. You throw the line out there and you're able to reel in one at a time. Then we got the Julius's. We got the Liz and Dana Niles. We got these other people, get them by the thousands and catch all kinds of different fish. But they do what they do because we help them get there to do what they're doing. And God said, I give you the power to get wealth because when God sees that you use what he gives you to help advance the kingdom of God, that God says, well, I can trust her. I can trust him. I'm going to get him a raise. And then God looks at what's going on. And he says, wait a minute. This company's being hit, but I got Christians in there that are tithers. And they're helping get the gospel out. And so then God says, Satan, take your hands off that business right now. Get out of there. My people work there. And you're not going to take their job. That's how this thing works. We got to understand the spiritual arena. And so that's why that's, that's we, we, we tithe. And we give into missions, number one, because we love Jesus. Then number two, that's the biggest secret to our success as Christians financially more than anything else, because we do what God says to do. Amen? That's right. Amen. If you need an envelope or a couple envelopes for your giving, raise your hand and our ushers will be more than happy to, to help you out here. If you need, you know, we, we put our missions offering in a separate bucket. So if you need two envelopes, stick up two hands. Amen. And then, uh, Robert, you want this bucket to be the missions bucket over here? He's got to get another one. And, and, you know, I, I can tell you, we're a very blessed church. Over here, guys. Because because, needs... because the family got this church loves Jesus with their tithe, and they support reaching out to the rest of the world. That's why this church is blessed, and we're going to stay blessed. COVID didn't hurt us, but in spite of COVID, the church prospered because God's people know what's really real and what's right. And this country needs to know that Jesus is the healer. This country needs to know that Jesus is not afraid of plagues, but Jesus is the answer to plagues. We know that. We walk in it. But this covenant needs to be established all around America and everywhere else. Amen? Amen. Let's make our financial faith confession, and then we'll bring our, <clears throat> our tithes and authors up. 
Social distance ties and offerings to the altar worship of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. You ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give Give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, get just in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just want to say that we have a lot of first-timers in here today, so welcome if you're a first-timer. I want to especially say hi to Reba and John and their family. They're renowned musicians from Barstow, and your poor little blessings. I love them. Praise God. And the rest of you, welcome today. We're glad you're here. We are free in sin. Free from sin. Free from sin. Freedom. Let's all stand. Step out of the shadows. Step out of the grave. Break into the wild. Don't be afraid Run into wide open spaces Places waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Places waiting Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. Oh, the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let there be to the star Run into wide open spaces Places waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Graces waiting Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out, come out of the dark, just as you are. 
to the fullness of His love. All the Spirit is here. Let there be freedom. Let there be freedom. Yes, Lord, we are free in Christ. Free from sin. Free from sin. Yes, Lord. True freedom. Chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Life's made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Chains will fall, chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Life's made whole, hearts awake at the sound. Yeah. 
as we just sang that song, we was talking about freedom in Christ. Praise God. And I just want you to know, if you have loved ones in your family, as we sing this next song, he's going to do it again. What he did for you, he'll do it again. He'll do it in your family's lives, in your friends' lives, whoever you're believing for their salvation. Nothing is too big for God. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come
this is my confidence that you never fail me and I never will forget that you never fail me no I never will forget that you never Hallelujah. Let's take a minute this morning in the presence of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we know that great is your faithfulness, God. You've never let go of us. Lord, you've never turned your back on us. Lord, you are always there for us, God. We love you and we praise you and we thank you this morning that we are in your presence, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to look at a verse here in Revelation 3, verse 10. And it's written to the church in Philadelphia. Now, we're not in Philadelphia, but praise God, we're in Barstow, and I believe it applies to us. But Revelation 3.10, it says, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. Who in here, you're going to persevere no matter what. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon those the whole world to test those who do not who belong to this world but look at verse 11 i am coming soon hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown who knows that god has given you something this morning you have the blessing of god in your life and there is a time of testing it's already started and it will come upon the whole world but we are not going to let go we are going to persevere until the very end and no one's going to take away our crown of righteousness amen we are holding on because jesus told us to he is coming soon and we're going to stick with jesus i'm telling you he's brought me through too much at this point to turn what would i turn back to right what am i going to go back to he brought me through cancer he brought me through so many things i am not turning back and there may be a time of testing a time of shaking but praise god we are not letting go because great is his faithfulness like like we just sang great is your faithfulness lord we will never, ever, 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 for anything, any reason, for anybody, turn away from Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a little bit of praise this morning? He deserves it. We can do better than that. That's weak. Come on. That's easy work. Let's give Jesus some praise today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. You are great. There is no one like you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated today. Amen. You can be seated. Who's glad to be at the house of the Lord? There is no place else I would rather be on a Sunday than with God's people and in God's house, singing God's praises. Amen. Studying God's word. We love our father. Amen. So the title today is this. It's keys to end times thriving keys to end times thriving now when god started laying some things on my heart i i was going to kind of call this keys to end time survival but then i thought about it like 
I have never just wanted to be a survivor. Like, oh man, we survived life. We made it. We barely made it through, but we survived. I'm not a survivor. I'm a thriver. Amen. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I'm coming and when I'm going. I am the head and not the tail. I'm always above. Well, that sounds arrogant. I'm not talking about because of me. I'm talking about because of the one that I serve. Jesus, amen, died so I don't have to just barely survive, but so that we can thrive in this life. And in fact, the book of Isaiah talks about how in the end times, gross darkness shall cover the earth for the people of this world. But it says that for the people of God, for the people in the kingdom of God, it'll get brighter and brighter with the glory of God. And that's what I'm aiming for. Amen. That's what I'm going for. And so even in the midst of crazy times, you can still thrive. You can still you can still stick out better than ever. In fact, the light shines brightest when it's in the darkest times, right? If I were to light a match right now in this bright room, people would be like, well, that's not that impressive. That didn't do anything. But you turn off all these lights, and there's no windows on this building, as you can see, just in the back there. But I'm telling you, if you're in here without the lights on, this place is like a cave. If I were to light one match, you would be like, wow. That light is really bright. It's shining because it sticks out the best. And I'm telling you right now that the light of Jesus within you, if you will let this little light shine right now in this time, people are going to notice and people want answers and you're going to have the answers because you've got the word of God. Can I get an amen today? Amen. So we're talking about keys to end times thriving. Now, to even get anywhere in this message, we first have to establish the point that we literally are living in what the Bible refers to as the end times. Now, if if you don't believe that, then I'm, I'm sorry uh, for you, but it's quite obvious to anybody that studied scripture to any length that we are in the end times. And I used to preach about it, and I used to talk about it, and it was true, but as of this year, it seems like the, the, like the, the snowball rolling downhill is gathering more and more speed. It's speeding up at an accelerated rate. And so I was just sitting down a couple days ago and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to jot down a few things that come to mind that I've seen already in 2020. And I took 30 seconds and wrote a list of, I don't know, eight things right here that are, I'm like, man, this is so obvious what's going on right now. And so I put these on the screen there, but 2020 has been a year of biblical proportions to say the very least, right? I mean, there's not much argument there, but we've seen some undeniable Bible prophecy fulfilled even in the last six months, right? In fact, this Sunday marks about six months since the big quarantine first started back in March, all right? And so here's just a few things I, I off the top of my head thought of that I didn't even have to spend hours in prayer to get this. This is just the most blatant, obvious stuff, and there's more there. But first of all, number one, Jesus said there would be horrible plagues and epidemics to hit the world right before he comes back, Luke 21, 11. Horrible plagues and epidemics, and that refers to disease and things of that nature. Well, we've seen it. The second thing he said is there would be an overwhelming fear take place, and that's Luke 21, verse 26. Overwhelming fear. And that's one of the things that I've seen so much this year because fear is such a nasty tool of the devil that can control really good people if they will submit to fear and it will cause you to do things and not do things that God 
wants you to do, but you're like, no, no, I, I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't possibly. Fear is a tool of the devil. And Jesus said that people, well, they would be melting in the, the fear of the terror that's gripping their hearts, right? And then another thing, he said we'd be having fires. Be clouds of clouds in the sky and fires on the earth below Acts 2.19. Well, earlier, the first part of 2020, over 13 million acres of Australia burned. 13 million acres. Come on. That is, I mean, that would be a big portion of the entire United. That is, that is a lot of acreage to burn right there. And we're used to, I mean, I've lived here 13 years. We've got, well, we got, uh, winter, summer, fire season, wind season, right? And, and the earth, wind, and fire, something like that. And we, and we've got, you know, I mean, we, it's just like, it's part of life, but, I, I was noticed that it's been kind of crazy this year and we're already on track. In fact, I think we've already had the most acreage burned already in California history this year. And we're early in the fire season. As of Thursday, over 3.2 million acres of our state have burned and it's only September. Come on. And now are we rooting for this stuff? No, I'm just saying Jesus said some of this stuff was going to happen and now it's happening. Yet there's still people with their head in the sand saying, I don't know, man. I don't really think uh, this is uh, I don't think anything's actually going on. It's just coincidence. When you've got eight, 10, 12, 15, 40, 50 things happening that Jesus said would happen. That's not a coincidence. That's the fulfillment of scripture. Can somebody say amen? I mean, come on. We aren't even stretching this stuff. Um, he said, uh, number four, there'd be racial conflicts, Matthew 24. He said nation would go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Kingdom refers to actual uh, countries of this world. Nation is the Greek word ethnos, and that means ethnic groups. Number five, he talked about clouds of smoke. Every morning I wake up, and we got an upstairs room now. I open up the curtains to say, what's the forecast today? Oh, yeah, it's another day of smoke in Barstow, Right? Every day, clouds of smoke. And when I originally studied this out in prophecy, I thought more or less, and, I, and, and it is referring to this, but clouds of bombs and, and nuclear warfare. And I believe that for sure. But I see clouds of smoke every day, and I live in Barstow. There's not even anything to burn here, but it's happening. So come on. It's, it's getting real. Uh, for number six, he said Christians would be arrested and persecuted. Now, I've seen this all over the world my entire life. Right. I mean, we see people die for. But now it's starting to get a little bit close to home. Anyone else? I mean, you you I mean, come on. In, in April, I saw this church in Mississippi. They decided to go ahead and uh, no, maybe it was May. They, it was May. They opened their doors. Somebody got mad at them. Uh, you're going to you're going to kill people. They burned their church building down because they dared to go to church. We've got pastors, especially in California, facing fines and jail time. They told us we can't have home Bible studies. We can't sing together. We can't take communion together. I can't put oil on my hands and lay hands on the sick anymore because I would, unless I've got six foot arms, which I don't, I've got a pretty decent wingspan, but they are not six feet long people. And so I'm telling that, and, and or else we, we get tickets, we go to jail, we, and all this stuff. I, and, and we're like, well, I know that happens in the Middle East, but now stuff's starting to happen here and it's getting a little bit more real, isn't it? 
All of this is predicted in Scripture. And then, of course, Revelation 13 begins to tell us about the mark of the beast. And a one, you know, I'm not trying to get too deep. This isn't even my message. So this isn't a prophecy message. But but it's starting to go that way. So, uh, but but this this Antichrist shows up and, and gets this whole one world uh, economy, this whole one world government going on and moves towards a cashless society where you can't buy or sell unless you've got his mark. And so anyway... I, it's just happening. I'm not even going to go into detail on that. But the biggest thing that's happened in 2020, and I, I don't care who you are, what you say, the biggest thing the Bible talks about is the nation of Israel. And my gosh, in the last three to four weeks, we've seen big things happening with Israel, where they are literally, the United States, negotiating peace treaties between Israel and Islamic nations. I know. I mean, I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime where you'd get these guys to sit down together and, and, and come to peace deals, the United Arab Emirates and, and all these different countries. They're adding more to the list. And, and I was just a little bit ago reviewing my sermon as the Wall Street Journal yesterday put out a report talking about Saudi Arabia once in on the deal. Now they like, we want to come to peace with Israel ourselves. But the, the head, the old guy, that's the biggest, you know, higher up is arguing apparently with his son, who's the next in line about if they want to get in on this peace deal with Israel and the United States. So what is any, what, 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 what is that? Why do you care? What does that have to do with you? Well, I'm telling you right now that one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle is that the temple in Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. It has to for all this to take place. And, and as of 2017, when the United States and several other countries began moving their embassies to Jerusalem and saying, no, this is, this is their real capital. You know, that's, that's cute over there in Tel Aviv, but we're talking about Jerusalem has been their capital for thousands of years. We're going to recognize that. The ball started rolling real quick, people. And as of right now, as of right now, with all these nations starting to have peace agreements, you know, we know that that won't last forever. But as it's happening right now, that's paving the way for a deal to take place for the Jews to be able to rebuild Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. And that right there, I mean, if we see that happen in our lifetime, my God, you just stand outside and look to the sky the entire time because it'll be any second now. And so, you know, I'm not, that's not my sermon, but all I'm trying to prove to you before I get to my sermon is this, is that we are in what Jesus and the rest of the prophets in the Bible told us would be the end times. It's real. And this is not the time to be playing games, flip-flopping on God, being one foot in, one foot out, being half-baked, lukewarm, not ready to go. You need to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Amen. Don't let that moment catch you off guard. Be ready because he is coming soon. And I say that every sermon now, and I feel like some people don't believe me yet, but I'm going to keep saying it until somebody gets it. Jesus is coming back really, really soon. So with all that said, what do we do in the meantime? I'm going to tell you how to thrive in the end times. All right. Now I've just got two points here and next week I'm going to tag on to it, but end times keys for thriving. Number one. God's word. Well, we've heard that before. Give us something exciting. Man, if you can't get excited about God's word, what's wrong with you? That you hold in your hand the holy written word of God, the words of Jesus himself. People have died for this book, man. And I'm going to talk about that later. But 
There's nothing that excites me more than the word of God. I give every day of my life to this thing. I wake up early. I go to bed late. I do whatever I've got to do to see what Jesus is saying to me through his word that day. There is nothing better in this world than a Christian that has a Bible and knows how to use that Bible. Amen. And so we're talking about God's word. Let's look at Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119 verse 105. Amen. Can we get a little excitement for God's word? I mean, it's the word of God. Yeah. Leah knows what's going on. Psalm 119 and verse 105. And we're talking about how we as Christians can absolutely thrive and dominate in this end time season. And I mean, I got to tell you that I know there's crazy stuff going on. It's been a wild world for this year, but God has been so good to me and my family and, and he's, he's blessed us. He, I'm in the best health I've ever been in. I mean, I, I'm the most blessed financially I've ever been. Our church is more blessed than it's ever been. It's been a wonderful year for those that are sticking close to God. I know so many of you, you've had incredible things happen to you this year and it's been the hand of God because uh, those that abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? He is going to take care of you. Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I just feel so lost right now. Man, turn the light on. I'm stumbling around like I don't know what's going to happen. Now. Well, I, I just feel so lost. Turn the light on, man. It changes everything. It'll guide your feet. It'll light up the path in front of you. Well, I don't know where to go next. Turn the light on. It'll it'll light up the whole path. You'll know what to do next. But don't sit there about uh, complaining about being in the dark when you've got the switch to turn it all on right here. His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Now, one thing that's become very apparent to me this year is that there are actually no experts. Now, I, I kind of had a hunch for years that there were no experts for all this stuff because, one, you know, one year, oh, don't drink coffee, that stuff, that'll, that'll kill you, they'll, they'll give you cancer. Then the next year, you have to drink coffee. The antioxidants in that are vital for human survival. Okay, so, okay, so do drink it. Uh, don't ever, don't touch eggs. Don't even look at eggshells, man. That'll, that stuff will give you cancer. Then the next year, if you don't eat eggs, you're going to die right now. Put one, eat, eat it right now. Now, now. Okay, what's going on? And then this year, I mean, if you're trying to follow the experts, you're doing this. Like, what's going on? You're getting dizzy because they keep changing their mind every week. I'm like, put it on. No, take it off. Uh, 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 no. And we're all over the place right now because the experts don't know what they're talking about. But one thing I've noticed this year that hasn't changed, it's been this. This is saying, I'm reading the same verses that I read in 2019, and they say the exact same thing. I'm reading the same verses I read in 1998, and they're saying the exact same thing. And so I'm telling you that we, if you're going to thrive, you're going to have to stick with something stable. And there's not a lot of stability right now, but Jesus is stable, and the Word of God is stable, all right? So let's look over to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. And so with so much instability, instability leads to confused people and confused people are dangerous because they do crazy things. Uh, have you ever noticed that? I worked with this girl that she wouldn't use deodorant because she thought it caused cancer, but she smoked like five packs of cigarettes a day. And I'm like, 
I'll take, you know, I'll take my chances with the deodorant. And we wish that she had taken her chances too, okay? Because it was noticeable. You could tell. You could tell that she didn't believe in deodorant. So I'm here to preach the Bible, but I'll preach deodorant too. You need that stuff, man. That'll change, change your life and those around you, all right? Now, of course, if they're distancing, maybe they can't smell it from six feet out, but I, that's up to you. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, and here's a, a verse that, man, maybe you've heard this, but it rings so much truer for me now than it ever did. Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Aren't you glad about that? Man, that makes me happy. You know, the, 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 the grass may, may fade and, and the flowers, they may end up withering and, and, and this may go down and this that may go down. But the word of our God, it's not going down. It's going to stand forever. And, you know, I was noticing how many things in my life that, that I grew up with or maybe you grew up with that they just don't exist anymore because that's how much the world has changed. Do you guys remember cassette tapes and CDs? Gone, dude. They're gone. You can't even find those things anymore. Uh, uh, my son got this camera that takes film, and I'm like, where do you, where do you find film for it? That, gone. It's gone. It's gone. You gotta search high and low to find film for a camera. Uh, you guys remember pay phones? You would, some of you, okay. For you little guys, they had this little, Tony, you remember this, right? So what would, apparently you would go in, and you would drop a coin, into the phone and then you could you could dial it and it wasn't touch screen you just pushed these buttons that pushed in it was mind-blowing mind-blowing fun and in fact i found out with my buddies you could do prank phone calls to 1-800 numbers but kids you just all right phone books who remembers phone books i mean i so, i think i think they're gone already maybe they're around but but how about newspapers there's a few left, but most of those are stinking gone. Why? Because things change. And, and, and how about some of your favorite stores from childhood? They're gone because Amazon showed up and said, have a nice day. Get to stepping. They're gone. They shut them down. Why? Because things change, but the word of God doesn't change. In fact, Paul said in Timothy that I may be in chains right now, Timothy, but the word of God cannot be chained. Nobody can stop this thing, even though they've been trying for years and years and years and years. And like I said, many people have given their lives. They've given everything so you could have a Bible that you could read for yourself. Now, I say that, and it flies over so many people's heads, but you don't realize the gift that there are people in countries at this very moment that they would give anything for just one page out of a Bible. And I've heard that. I mean, you know, especially back in the former Soviet Union, people would, if they could just get one page of a Bible, they'd pass it around the neighborhood. They'd pass it to their family and friends. They'd do anything they could just to have a little piece of God's word. I've got 66 books of the Bible right here in my hand that I can read any time, day or night that I want to. And you don't think that I'm not thankful for that, that people died and got burned alive so I could have this in English in 2020? Man, I'm thankful that people gave their life for it. You know, a, a couple of examples real quick. You guys know I like history, so at the risk of boring you, I want to tell you something about a guy named John Wycliffe. He firmly believed that the Bible should be available to everybody. You shouldn't have to be rich. You shouldn't have to sneak it around. You should be able to have the Bible in your language no matter what. And although 
little portions of the Bible had already been translated into English. There was no complete translation of the Bible into English. And so if you were just a regular person that didn't speak Latin or uh, or you weren't able to read, you could only learn what the priest told you. And so if they said, yeah, it says right here uh, that you're supposed to give me all your money, so just do it, right? It says it. And you have no idea. You couldn't refute that because you couldn't read the Bible because it wasn't in your language. It says right here that you need to. And, and, and so there was all, all sorts of mass confusion and difficulties and issues. And people are like, we want to know for ourselves. We want a Bible that we can read for ourselves. And so Wycliffe in the 1300s began the, the process. It took him 13 years, but he finally translated the Bible in its entirety into English. Now, he died shortly thereafter, and, and the, the Pope at the time was so angry at, at this guy for doing this that he had his bones dug up and burned and then thrown his ashes into the river because he hated him so much for getting the Bible into English where everybody could just read it for themselves. So later on, fast forward to the 1500s, we've got a man named William Tyndale. And as far as the English Bible is concerned, you guys need to know this and you need to be able to say, thank you, William. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Willie, for doing your job and getting this thing done so I can have a Bible. But he was the most high profile uh, 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 interpreter of the scripture that we know. But he was murdered and he was burned at the stake for it. And, and, and he gave his entire life because even with the other translation, it wasn't getting available to the people. You could get it on the black market or you could get a snuck out copy. But he's like, no, we need a mass produced Bible that everybody that speaks English can read for themselves. They will know the truth and the truth shall set them free if they could just get this Bible. Bible. They, if they could just get a Bible. And so he gave, in fact, they, one of his best friends that he thought betrayed him to the authorities and he was burned at the stake in the late 1500s just for translating a Bible into English. And his last words were, as he was burning alive, were, God opened the king of England's eyes. And he died with that. But what he ended up doing in the end, uh, his translation accounts for 84% of our New Testament in English, in the King James, and 75% of the Old Testament, he gave his life for that. And so it hurts me to see that somebody would have a Bible this readily available to them in the end times and not read it. That somebody, with all this going on around us, would have the, the lamp for their feet, the light for their path, the book that people died and were burned alive for, like, oh yeah, I'm just not in the mood today. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm not getting that vibe. You know what I mean? I, it's just... You're not getting the vibe. What is wrong with you, man? I don't need a vibe to read the Word of God. I just need to be a born-again Christian, and I'm telling you right now that you need to have a desire for God's Word on the inside of you because this will show you what to do next when things begin to actually get difficult. And so I've got this, I think it's on the screen, two major keys for you to grow from the Word, and you need to get this, all right? Number one, major keys for you to grow Quit trying to change the Bible to be more like you and start changing you to be more like the Bible. Well, I would, but I just, I don't know, just there's so much in there that I just don't, I mean, if, if it could say it this way and, 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 and the Bible, it, it, it's not, it's not here to, to care about your feelings. It's here to change you and save your life and tell you what to do. Now, sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true, and it's going to save your life, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
Now, people twist that verse. Oh, the truth will set you free. No, it's not that the truth just comes and smacks people around and sets them free. It's when you know the truth, then the truth shall set you free. Amen. And so quit trying to change the Bible to be more like you and start changing you to be more like the Bible. And the second thing, this is so important for us as Christians in 2020, refuse to elevate your personal opinion or experience above God's word. Because that's what so many people do. Well, I know it says that, but honestly, in my experience, what? You have the audacity? You have the the guts to say, well, I know the scripture does say that, but I'm just telling you, in my experience, that didn't happen. In my experience... We went ahead and did this and, 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 and nothing happened and, 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 and this is, I'm just telling, I know it says that and that's good. I, I, I get that. But my opinion is this. When we begin to elevate our opinion or our personal experience over God's word, we are on our way for a very bad, rude awakening at some point. Brother Hagin used to say, I, if I lay hands on a hundred people and every single one of them don't make it, every single one of them dies, you know what I'm going to say? All right, next in line, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you next. Why? Because the word of God says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It says, if you're sick, to call for the elders of the church, let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So I believe that the name of Jesus and prayer heals people still today. Have I prayed for anybody that didn't make it? Yes. But I don't know what happened. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to say, well, it must not have been God's will because that would be a slap in the face to God who says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. So I don't dare say, well, I don't know, God, you messed something up there. Your word's not, I'm not going to say that. I have no idea why I've prayed for some people and they haven't made it. But I can tell you this much. There's been a whole bunch of people that we've laid hands on and seen them rise up off of their deathbeds. But there's no way, no way that I'm going to say, I know it says that, God, but I tried it and it, it didn't happen for me. Then I don't know what happened, but I don't have the audacity to tell God your word's a lie. You said it. You didn't back it up. Something got screwed up along the way uh, somewhere. We'll find out someday. But I don't have the guts to tell God that his word isn't true. And I don't want to tell him that because I love the word of God. And I love that it tells me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It tells me that if I endure to the end, I get a crown of righteousness in heaven someday. Come on. Listen. God's word is a major key to your end times success. And you can't change it to fit you. You've got to change to fit it. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Number two, I just got two points today. Number two is you need to get a hold of and know God's voice. You need God's word and you need to know God's voice. I'm working on this, man. I want to know the voice of God more and more and more. And it is crucial for us that we know how to listen to the voice of God. Not just hear it, but to listen to it. You guys know there's a difference between hearing and listening? Ladies, now's your time to say amen because your husbands probably do this all the time. I heard you. I heard you. What'd I say? I mean, I was, I, 
something about, I, I don't know, what, say, cause we heard, but we weren't always actually listening. There's a difference, okay? And so, you may be in here today, and you're hearing the Word of God, but are you actually listening to what Jesus is saying to you today? And the exact same church service, it's incredible to me, Two people in the exact same service heard the exact same message. Some person goes out and like, man, that was life-changing. I know exactly what I need to do. Somebody else, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just wasn't feeling it today. I didn't get anything out of that. Was it because the word just wasn't? No. The same word was preached to all, but to him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You need to have spiritual ears to hear what God's trying to say to you right now. And so you need to know the voice of God. John chapter 10, verse 27. Look there with me. John 10 and verse 27. But it is so important that God's children learn to hear and listen to his voice. If you feel God saying, don't go there today, you better listen. I'm telling you, if you hear God saying, you need to go over here and talk to this person, you better listen. This is not normal times anymore. This is serious stuff. If you hear God saying, keep a closer eye on your kids today. Don't let them out of your sight. You better listen. Grandparents, if you, I mean, seriously, especially with our, if you, if God's saying, no, don't, don't send them today. Don't, don't, don't let them get that one. Don't, 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 don't take them over there. You better learn to listen to the voice of God in 2020. And it is possible. But John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so what is a key sign if you're a sheep of Jesus? That you listen to his voice and follow him. I mean, I'm one of his sheep, but I don't ever know. I don't ever hear nothing from him. And, And well, that's strange because Jesus said his sheep listen to his voice. He knows who they are. And then they follow him. If you're a sheep of Jesus, if you're a disciple, you better learn how to listen to the voice of the good shepherd somewhere along the way. It could save your life. It could save your kids' lives. It could set you up for success or put you down for failure if you don't know how to. And so it is key that we learn the voice of Jesus. I was reading an article from Andrew Womack. Uh, he's a, a teacher in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. But he was telling this story how many years ago he had booked to, to go preach at a church in Costa Rica. And he was excited. He wanted to get down there. He would preached there several times before. And he was like, man, this is going to be great. I can't wait. He had it circled on his calendar. Even though he preached everywhere else, he was excited about this one. But on the inside, he just started feeling, no, you, you can't go. No. He's like, no, no, I'm going. I keep my word. I'm going. And but the, the closer that the date got... Don't go, don't go. And on the inside, he didn't hear a voice with his ears, but just on the inside, he felt this uneasiness, this, this, this really a, a, a warning on the inside, don't go. So he wanted to go so bad that he said he took one day and prayed over 17 hours in one day. God, why? Let me go. God never told him why, but he called the church and said, guys, I can't come. I just, I don't, I just can't come. So a few weeks later, he looks on the news, and the exact same flight that he had booked to go there crashed upon takeoff from Mexico City, and all 169 people on board died. He would have been on that flight. God didn't say, the flight you are going to be on is going to crash and burn. He just said, don't go. 
Well, to the average Christian, they'd be like, I don't know. You better give me a reason or else I'm going to. And I'm telling you, as end times Christians, you need to know the voice of God. Well, what does it sound like? Well, I've never heard a booming audible voice out of the sky, though that could happen. It does happen to some people, but I've never had that happen. But I have had what I'm going to show you right here in 1 Kings 19. Let's look at 1 Kings 19. And this is about the prophet Elijah. A very bad woman named Jezebel had decided within the next 24 hours, I want this prophet killed. And so she put out a, she put a, a hit out on his head. He gets scared and he runs. He flees and he's like, God, why? I've served you. I've done this for you. And now this is going to happen. It's not fair. And so he takes off running. And, and, and so anyway, there was an order of events. 40 days, 40 nights later, he ends up on Mount Sinai, okay? And he's out there, and he's talking to God. Man, Israel, God, I've given everything for them, and you have, and they still, they won't listen, and it's not fair. And, and he's going through all this. First Kings 19, verse 11. First Kings 19, verse 11. This, so this is God talking. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold... The Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. That's strange. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. That voice was the Lord. And Elijah was thinking, okay, God's going to talk. It's going to be something big. And so he hears a mighty wind. That's going to be God. That's big. Then he had an earthquake. Well, that's going to be God. Then a fire breaks out. That, but he was looking in all these spectacular areas and, and looking for some big, strong sign. But it wasn't any of those things. God spoke to him in a still, small voice. The New Living Translation calls it, God spoke in a gentle whisper. And I'm telling you that God will speak to you in the still small voice, the gentle whisper a lot more often than through some tornado ripping through and and some fire breaking out. and, and, And God could do it in a big, spectacular, booming way. Sure he could. But most often he's going to speak to you and, and, and there may be distractions. You're going to say, you know what? Shut all that off. I need to hear God. And on the inside, you're going to feel something saying, don't do it. I know you want to move there. Don't move there. Stop. Quit fooling yourself. It's not going to be better. It's going to be worse. Stop it. Or, 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 or saying, man, I, I wish I could just take this over here or go do this. And on the inside, you feel, don't do it. I'm telling you right now, this is not the time to be disobeying the voice of God. This is the time. This is the hour for God's people to learn to listen to his voice. You need God's word You need God's voice if you're going to make it through the end times, but thrive through the end times. And so I'll say this, Josh, you can come on up and get ready to lead us in a song. But, you know, throughout everything that's gone on this year, it's been wild, man. Who thinks it's been a wild ride? I mean, it's been a wild ride. And I got to say that, 
you know, my dad and I and my mom and my wife and Josh and Julie running a church through all this has been an even, it's been a pretty wild ride, okay? I'm not going to say it's been more wild than, you know, what everybody, but I'm just saying when you're responsible for a couple hundred people's situation, it, it, there's some weight that goes with that. And it's, it'd be real easy to say, well, they're, they're saying we can't sing no more. So I guess, you know, there goes that. I can't quote scripture in public anymore. There go, I can't chant. I mean, I've never considered a chant. We do faith confessions, but whatever, you know, it's, it's cool. So, but with all that going on, if you're trying to just listen and, 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 and please everybody, it's not going to work. There's been some people, man, you guys are way too strict, way too strict over there. Some people, man, you guys are way too loose. If you're going to try to please everybody else, you're going to fall down. You have got to please God in this day and in this hour. It's more serious than ever before. Amen. And that's hard for me because I like people to like me. I'm a softie. Huh? <laughs> I'm a pretty tender guy. Cletus, you know, I mean, me and, we're, yeah. See, he's wearing a pink tie. He knows what I'm talking about. But listen to this. You know, I like people to like me, but what's more important than anything right now is not being a people pleaser, but being a God pleaser. And if God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. If he tells me to go to church, I'm going to go to church. If he tells me to lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. If he tells me to sing his praises, I'm going to sing his praises. If he tells me to raise my kids in the ways of God, that's exactly what I'm going to do, whether anybody likes it or not. Amen. And so if we're so busy just trying to listen, Get over that. Our eyes have got to be in one place. I'm going to ask you to stand up together with us today. Stand up together this morning. Amen. I pray that you've received something from this. Next week, we're going to hit a little bit harder. So be prepared. If you didn't like this, you may not want to come next week because I'm going to swing harder. But listen, uh, Jesus told us, Luke 21, to be ready, have our eyes to the sky. Because someday, and I say this every day now, but we're going to hear that trumpet sound. We're going to see some clouds part. And we're going to see Jesus Christ himself standing there saying, it's time. This is it. Let's go. I mean, I, I think about that. There's not a day that goes by now that I don't think about that. Like, my gosh. Bring it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Let's do this right now. I don't need another day. Get. Let's go. That day is coming. But if we're too busy chasing everything else, following up what I'm saying this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The things that used to matter, they're not going to matter anymore. That used to be such a big thing for you. Now it's dim. You're like, oh yeah, I used to chase money. I used to chase, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, the things that used to control you will be strangely dim. And the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And so we're talking about it's real now. The time for games is over. I would not want to leave this building without having things 100% right with Jesus. That's between you and God. And, 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 but I'm telling you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare lay my head down tonight if I had any doubt that I was not ready for this thing to happen. He's going to come like a thief in the night, and it's happening, man. And we better be ready. Amen. But as we do that, I want us to take a minute to examine ourselves. And, and to really what I want you to do is this.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Josh, sing this, and I want to sing it together. Maybe you've heard this a hundred thousand times. It's an old song, and we don't sing a lot of old songs around here, but you need to get this truth in your life, man. Come on. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Because we've got you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Well, I feel compelled to do this. And, I, you know, it's up to you if you're going to respond or not. Uh, I, I believe that today's a good day to make sure that you're right with Jesus. And I'm also not one of those guys that believes in, you know, hide it, be ashamed of it. People ask me to do private baptisms with nobody around. And I say no, because you need to be proud of Jesus and not be ashamed of Jesus. And so, uh, but I want to make sure that everybody here is right. I haven't, well, I haven't done this since really, uh, since reopening, but I'm going to tell you this. Today's the day to make sure you're right with Jesus. I am going to lead us in a prayer and then I'm not, I'm not going to call you up here because of things, but, uh, I, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and admit that you did some repairs with Jesus. <laughs> Maybe for the first time or first time in a long time, uh, but, but if you, Jesus said, if you can't uh, acknowledge me before men, I can't acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll have to deny you before my Father in heaven. Every person needs to have at least one moment where they publicly said, you know what? Yeah, I believe it, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I did just say something, and I did just make some things right. And if you can't do that right now, you don't have the guts and the backbone it's going to take when things get really hard in the coming years, okay? Because this is not the man. This is pre school compared to what things can get later on, uh, and especially if you don't make it in the rapture. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want everybody to repeat it with me. And then if you could be bold enough, you know, I'm, to, to just say, you know what, yeah, I, I said it, and I meant it, and and I'm and I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. Let's pray this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died. 
that he rose again, that, he rose again. that he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. Jesus, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me. For, anything wrong I've done. for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength, me the strength to, live to live for you. I promise you have my word that I will not turn back this time. I'm living for you 100% in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you, uh, hey, be just don't be ashamed of Jesus. If that's you, and I know some people be too ashamed to raise your hand real quick so I can acknowledge you before men. Thank you. Several hands. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Amen. 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 All right. And if you would like, I'll extend you one more gift. And that's this. Uh, we, we have a program that I started two years ago called Spiritual Personal Trainer. And it's for anybody that you feel you need to get in better shape spiritually. And, uh, and what it is, is I will assign somebody from the church. It could be me, it could be someone else to take the next 30 days to text you every day pray with you and for you every day and uh, encourage you. They'll send you a Bible verse and a little devotion every day. It's not intrusive. It's not invasive, but it will help you get into the right shape. Okay. And so if you are interested in my offer, it stands for today. I, I'm currently spiritual personal training SPT, uh, one young man, and it's going great. Another young man came into this church last September and he was a mess. I spent 30 days with him and it's not because it's not me it's just i was the one that worked with him he is thriving doing fantastic i mean just doing it's it's incredible if you'll give jesus 30 days of your time but anyway if you are interested in that uh i ask you to uh let's see let uh let katie know at the end of service she'll write your name down and get your number and i promise you it's worth your time i wouldn't waste your time because i don't want my time wasted right don't waste any time. I'll be at the info booth after service and I can take your name and number. Um, the other thing is you don't have to be newly saved or rededicated. If you just don't read your Bible regularly, if you are just spiritually lazy, this is a good time to fix that. So you can sign up also. Amen. Absolutely. So we're here to Make sure that you don't just survive or barely make it through. I want you to thrive in the end times. And I want you to close out 2020 with a real bang, man. Just make the devil embarrassed he ever tried to even get at you. Amen. He will pay. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out. And I want to remind you of a few things. Tonight is our family night service. That's a time that's mainly aimed at the kids uh, because right now we haven't opened up children's ministry fully yet. But it's a service for the kids. Anybody can come. But we do some games, a Bible lesson. It's a really fun, awesome time. And we are ministering to the kids because kids are people too. They aren't just little, you know, like we don't babysit kids. We minister to children because they're real human beings with a spirit on the inside of them. And they, they face issues too. So we believe in ministering to kids and that's what we're doing tonight. And anyway, um, you got anything to say, honey? All right. Well, who had a good time today? Amen. I had a great time. I'm ready to go home, eat some lunch. Watch some Little House on the Prairie and come back for Sunday night service. Who's with me? Come on. All right. Very good. Well, who knows how we close out Church of High Desert Word Center? The Barstow Faith Confession. Let's speak some words of faith over that city over there and see it change for the glory of God. 
Let's say this loud and proud. Say it like you mean it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord praise today. We'll see you tonight.